this message series through the month of January, the next four weeks, we're focusing on having open hands and learning how to give back to God. Now, before you start to squirm and think that the next four weeks are going to be about money and start planning what you're going to be doing the next three Sundays other than being here, let me just assure you that when we have open hands back to God, it is far more than just financial resources. In fact, when we give back to God, it is everything that we have, everything that we are. And because we have been given so much, we have the joy and the privilege of giving back to God. And God has given us far more than just financial resources, and that is why we give back to God far more than just money. If you would, find in your Bible 2 Corinthians chapter 8, as we'll spend the next four weeks in chapters 8 and 9 of the book of 2 Corinthians, learning how to have open hands and giving back to God. And today we're going to learn how to do that with joy. How do we give back to God with joy? Now some of us have more to give back perhaps financially or in other resources or in time or maybe even in talents than others do. But several years ago, there was a 85-year-old lady who was in a nursing home in Australia. And she asked her bank to bring to her every dollar that was in her account, which totaled $1.1 million. She had that money in her nursing home room and got out a pair of scissors and went to town shredding that money one bill at a time. She worked her way through $1.1 million, shredding all of it, putting it all on the floor, not because she had some kind of mental disability, but simply because she didn't want her family to have it when she died. Now, unfortunately for her, her bank was able to take that money and tape it all back together and make it good, unfortunately for her, and thank goodness for her family. But do you really have joy in having money in your hands? Some of us love the idea of having it, we just don't want others to have it. Namely, we don't want to give it to God. And we would rather shred it, we would rather waste it, we would rather spend it on something or even on nothing, rather than giving any of it back to the Lord. But that's true of our time. Honestly, if we were not sitting in church today and not feeling like we have to have a super spiritual answer to this question, but how do you spend your time in ways that have nothing to do with God? How do you spend those moments that you're free? Do you spend them in prayer? Do you spend them in Bible study? Or do you spend them in front of a television or in a movie theater or doing some other kind of activity. I mean, we're looking for non-spiritual answers here today. So you can be honest. I mean, this is a, a new year, first Sunday in church, so you, it's good to be honest when you're sitting here. What if you had some extra money? What would you do with it? Oh, I mean, it's kind of fun on Facebook sometimes, people put. What would you do if you had $100,000 just given to you? Ah, oh, we dream. Oh, I would go on this trip. I would do that. The super spiritual people say, well, I would give most of it back to God. 
No, you wouldn't. You'd spend it on yourself. You'd go somewhere. You would do something. And that's, some, that's so much of our mentality of, how would this benefit me? Why would we consider giving back to God? Why would we consider giving financially to God? Why would we consider giving a talent to God or time back to God or some service opportunity back to God when our answer so oftentimes is, what is this going to do for me? You can turn on the television and you can hear people tell you that if you give money, you'll get money. Unfortunately for them, that's not in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you today that God will in fact bless you beyond measure with something that is indispensable. And that is joy. When you give, when you serve, when you put God first, when you prioritize your family to focus on the will of God, when we as a church prioritize our schedule to put God first in everything, when we take our checkbook and our savings account and we prioritize it to put God first, when we as an individual take our calendars and we prioritize our time, our week, our days, our months and our years that God blesses us with and we put Him first, God will pour out upon us something that you'll never be able to buy. And that is overflowing joy. How can we have that? How can we organize our life and our church and our families to be able to have an open hand back to God and receive what God is so desperate to give back to us? That's what Paul answers in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and in chapter 9. And if you found that passage of Scripture and you're able to stand in the honor of reading of God's Word, I want to invite you to do so. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1 through verse 9. The Bible says to us today, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. Let's pray together. Father, how thankful we are for the testimony of churches in times past and churches even today 
that are faithful to open their hands and to give back to You in every conceivable way. Father, far more than just our financial resources, far more than just our time and our talents, but in every thought and every ounce of energy that we have to be able to put You first in all things and to have an overflowing joy poured back upon us is a gift that is indescribable. God, may You speak to our hearts today and help us to realign our lives so that we are filled with joy for giving back to You. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This passage of Scripture is written as a unique bookmark in the middle of 2 Corinthians as a testimony and an encouragement to this particular church in Corinth as a testimony about another church. Don't you love sometimes when you begin to consider your walk with God and sometimes someone will mention the benefit for you, they'll mention someone else and how they're walking with God and then you begin to see, well, if they can do it, I can too. That's what a family does. We, we encourage each other and we pray for each other. When you have loss, when you experience some difficulty, we rally around each other and remind one another that because God is with us, we can walk through that. And Paul reminds this particular church in Corinth that other churches in times past and other churches around them are being faithful to do exactly what God is asking this church to do. Because our selfish answer sometimes is, you don't know my circumstance. Don't ask me to do that because you don't know what I'm dealing with. And friend, you may be right. Other people in this room may have no concept of what you individually are dealing with, but chances are many of us have been in similar situations. And though we are not you, we too can testify that you can overcome whatever excuses, whatever amounts of ego, whatever amount of hurdles are in your life to be faithful to God. And that's what Paul is doing for this particular church. And he is using a testimony of another church to encourage this one to be faithful. And so I want us to examine this passage of Scripture this morning and be encouraged today of how we too can give back to God with joy. Here's the first way that God has encouraged us to do that today. How we can get to that place where we experience joy. The first way we do that is we eliminate our own excuses. Have you ever used an excuse? I mean a good excuse for why you can't give back to God. Why you can't serve. Why you can't use your time or your talent. Why you can't serve on a particular ministry or, or give to a particular cause. I've got three pretty good ones that come out of this text of Scripture. You want to know what they are? I'll even give them to you and give you permission to use them. So long as you listen to what the Bible says to answer your excuse. Here's the first one. I don't have enough to give. Oh, that's a pretty good excuse for why we don't give back to God. Well, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the energy. I don't have the health. I don't have enough to give. Listen to what the Bible says about that. In verse 2, Paul is talking about this church in Macedonia. All of the churches, in fact, in the Macedonia area, he says, 
they were, ha- they were in a severe test of affliction. He says, but their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty had overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Now understand that. These people had gone through a severe test of affliction. And they were poor. I mean, not only were they scratching the bottom of the barrel to pay their bills, but they were hurting. These people had been beat upon. They had gone through some kind of test and series of tests of afflictions, and when they put their hand in their pocket, all they felt was lent. But the Bible says in verse 2 that both of those bad, awful characteristics of, of an excuse of life mixed with joy led them to give more than Paul even expected. Friend, you may say to God, I don't have enough to give. But when you have joy, it doesn't matter how much you give, it matters how you give. Jesus observed this when He watched the rich people pour money into the coffers. So much so that they were making all this noise with their gold coins. And here comes a little widow who reaches down into her purse, opens up her little coin purse, and finds two fractions of a penny. Pulls out both of those, drops them, and can't you just hear the embarrassing sound? After these men are dumping buckets of gold and it's just ringing and making this loud sound and here comes this lady with her two little copper coins and she puts them in can't you just hear how embarrassing that would be tink tink silence jesus says that woman gave more than all the rest not because she gave more financially but she gave more sacrificially Friend, God is not interested in the amount of zeros on your check. God is interested in the amount of joy in giving in your heart. Because when that is right, God will help you to fill in the blank. And some of you know, oh, if I had more to give, I would. And Friend, that's joy. Joy is saying, I want to give as much as I can. I want to serve as many times as I can. I want to find as many opportunities to use my spiritual gift as I can. Not sitting here saying, it's all about me. Give to me, do for me, perform for me. But to say to a church, to say to a community, to say to your own family, but most of all to say to God, God, I want to wear myself out giving back to You because You have given so much to me. That's the position this church, these churches in Macedonia are in. They have severe affliction. They are extremely poor, yet they have joy that is unspeakable. They may not have much to give, but they gave all that they were. Here's another excuse. The other excuse is, it won't be enough. My gift won't be enough. Uh, My check is too small. My time is too limited. My gift is too insignificant. Nobody would notice if I give or if I didn't give. Guess what? God does. Listen, your gift of serving, your gift of time, 
Your gift of, of financial resources back to God is not an issue between me and you. It's not an issue between you and this church. Friend, it's an issue between you and the Lord. And when we give ourselves back to God, we are honoring the gift that God has given first to us. Our gift, we say, may not be enough, but listen to what the Bible says in verse 3. Talking about these churches, he says, and I love this verse, they gave according to their means, as I can testify. That's good. I mean, you should give according to your means. But then he says, and beyond their means of their own accord. In other words, Paul says, if I was to evaluate this church, I would think that they would give this amount. And guess what? They gave that amount. And then they gave again. If I were to look at some of you and look at your calendar, look at your checkbook, which I won't do, look at your schedule, look at your family activities, I could probably guess about how much time and about how much resources you have to give back to God. And I might be right. But you might surprise me and surprise this church and surprise the Lord by giving that and then giving again. My gift isn't enough. Friend, that's not between us. That's not between me and you or between you and this church. That's between you and the Lord. We are called to give because we have been given to. We do not give in order to get back from God. We give because we have already gotten from God. I know that's not good English, but that preaches well. You can use that if you want to and say, my, my educated preacher said that. But here's another excuse. The other excuse is, I don't want to. Ever used that one before? Oh, I've got plenty to give, and, and, and my gift would be way more sufficient than what this church needs. I just don't want to. I've got a wonderful gift that I could give back to God of my time, of my talents, and my spiritual gifts, and my financial resources. I just don't want to. Guess what the Bible says about that excuse? Verse 4. This church, these churches in Macedonia, the Bible says they were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. This church, who was severely afflicted, these people were poor. They gave and then they gave again. Paul says they were begging us to give. I can count on one hand and the five churches that I've pastored the number of times somebody has come to me begging to serve. Usually, it's the other way around. Usually, the, the nominating committee, the pastor and staff, the Sunday school superintendent, the discipleship chairperson has to go and hunt and beg and plead and find, will somebody serve? And then we get the lovely answer of, well, if you can't find anybody else to do it, I will. You ever used that one before? That's a classic, I don't want to, but if you're asking me, and if nobody else will do it, I suppose I will begrudgingly. Friend, this church that Paul is writing about begged them out of their severe poverty, please let us give and give again. 
Please let us be part of meeting the needs of the saints. And my challenge to you today, if you're going to eliminate all your excuses with God, is to find a way, find any way, frankly, find every way to give back to God and not let anything stand in the way. In fact, there was a millionaire who came to a church business meeting. And he stood up to give a testimony of God's blessing on his life. And he said, I remember the day that God poured out His blessing on me. He said, I came to a meeting much like this. I had just made my first dollar in my new business. He said, I heard a missionary speak. And the missionary said, either give everything you have to God or give nothing. And he said, I reached down in my pocket and I felt that dollar bill and I knew right then and there that I needed to give that whole dollar back to God. And he said, it was that day that God began to pour out His blessings upon me and that is the day that my life turned and I know that that's the reason why I'm a millionaire today. A hush came over the church. The little old lady stood up in the back and she said, I dare you to do it again. (laughs) Don't you just love old people? They're just as honest as they can be, aren't they? Listen, if God was faithful to do it once, He'll be faithful to do it again. And if God can pour out His joy, if God can pour out His blessings, if God can eliminate your excuses, and if and when you give, God replaces that with the joy of knowing that you are partnering with the sovereign God of the universe to accomplish His eternal plan. When you replace your finances with the joy of knowing that you're partnering with God, that joy fills in the gaps. And God begins to supply all of your needs according to His riches in Christ. Friend, if you're going to give with joy, if you're going to serve with joy, the very first step you must take is eliminate all the excuses. But there's another step. The Bible teaches us not only must we eliminate our excuses, but once we start, we have to finish and then we have to encourage our own excellence. How do we eliminate our excuses and encourage Our own excellence. Listen to what verse 6 has to say. The Bible says, Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he would complete among you this act of grace. In other words, Titus was sent to this church to encourage them to finish what they started. Have you ever started the year off in the gym? You ever started the year off in church? You ever started the year off on a diet? Have you ever started the year off with a calendar plan to read the Bible through the whole year and you did great through February? I mean, maybe March if you were really excited about it. Okay, let's be honest. Some of us are just good to get through January, right? But why is it that we start off strong? We take away all these excuses of why we can't eat right, why we can't exercise, why we can't give back to God, why we can't use our time and our talent and tithe back to God and give sacrificially back to Him. We take away all these excuses and we start off strong. And then 
we find a reason to stop. Why does our commitment fizzle just when it starts to get good? My real question to you, friend, is if God gives unconditionally, why is our giving conditional? Why do we give as long as we can? Why do we serve until somebody makes us mad? Why do we volunteer as long as our schedule allows? Why do we attend worship as long as there's nothing else important going on? Why do we start off strong and then fizzle? In fact, a month ago, we as a church had a business meeting. You know, those fun times that come up every once a month, like this Wednesday, this Wednesday night. Well, a month ago, we had one of those. And we put out this sheet of paper that had numbers just all over it. And we asked if there was any questions. There were no questions. All those in favor of adopting the 2019 budget, please say aye. Aye. Any opposed? No. <laughs> Silence. Guess what? We have a new budget this year. We're five whole days into the new year. We're doing great, by the way. I'll let you know about March and April how we're doing. But there's no reason for us to adopt the new budget and to start off the year strong and not finish what God calls us to start. There's no reason for you to say, listen, I'll teach Sunday school this year and to be faithful through April and find something else to do in May. There's no reason for us to, to look at a ministry and commit ourselves to it for a season and not see it all the way through. Listen, Paul sent Titus to this church for one reason and one reason only, to encourage them to finish what they started. Look at the next verse. Verse 7. Paul says to the church, but as you excel in everything. I love that word, everything. Have you ever been to a church that excelled in everything? Well, maybe a church that excels in something, or in some things, or in a thing. But this church, Paul says, excels in everything. Friend, let me just, I'm, I'm going to just pause the message for just a moment, and I'm just going to get real with you. Many of you are sitting in this sanctuary today because you want to be a part of a church that excels in everything. You want to be a part of a church that is baptizing, you want to be a part of a church that is multiplying? You want to be part of a church that is discipling people to grow deeper in their walk with Christ? You want to be a part of a church where the preaching is solid, where the worship is Spirit-filled, and where people are joyful to be there. But guess what? If we're going to be a church that excels in everything, that doesn't rise and fall with anybody else other than you. We are a family. But we are made up of individual be believers that must have an individual commitment to what God is doing in our family. And if we want to excel in everything, it's not up to the person sitting next to you. It's up to you. Now back to the message. <coughs> but as you excel in everything, 
in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in all earnestness and in our love for you, he says, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Paul's not asking the church to do something that he knows they're incapable of doing. He's asking them to finish what they said they would start and have been doing. Look around you. God started something here. You look in the lives of people in this church and you can see that God has started something in every one of our lives and in our families. Did you notice all of the little people that walked out of here just a little bit ago and are upstairs? Pastor Aaron is so excited because children's church is exploding. And good for him. In fact, he said he was back last week. And he told me the other day, that he asked the kids last Sunday if they missed being in children's church and you know, they had to endure me preaching the week before on the 23rd. He said, one of the kids said, yeah, it was good, but it was kind of boring. <laughs> I looked at Aaron and I said, that's good. That means that you're doing your job. <laughs> they enjoy coming. You can look at the lives of people and you can see how God is at work. You can see these young children. You can see the Gospel developing in their hearts. And friends, I'm telling you, God is doing something in this church. But we have to be faithful to finish what God has started. It's not dependent upon us as though we do it independently of God. It is dependent upon us because we are dependent upon Him. We can finish the work that God starts because God does it through us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some of us, our commitment may be like an airplane that took off Wednesday from Los Angeles. This ginormous Airbus left Los Angeles airport and was supposed to fly all the way to New York but it only made it to Phoenix. If you know geography at all, Phoenix isn't really on the way from Los Angeles to New York. But an hour and a half into the plane ride, smoke began to fill the cabin. And the announcement came on that they were going to have to make an emergency landing and they were rerouted to Phoenix. A six-hour plane ride across the country ended up being an hour and a half to Phoenix, and they never made it to their destination. And some of us are all too familiar with that kind of a fizzle. Something happens. Some kind of an alarm goes off. Some kind of a distraction. Some kind of an issue. And just as we get up and are ready to start cruising, we reroute and end up where we don't belong. Friend, in order to finish what God starts, we've got to be fit for the journey. We've got to be ready to go with God. We have to be ready to take things out of our life that don't belong. We've got to be willing to rearrange our schedule and take out these times that suck up our energy and take away days so that we can give them back to God. We've got to be willing to eliminate some financial expenditures 
that are really nothing more than just simply entertainment that perhaps we don't need so that we can be freed up to give even more back to God. And perhaps 2019, for your family, for your life, and for this church, this is a year to begin stripping away all of those distractions, all of those excuses, all of those things that rob us of that joy so that we can cruise above all of those issues and see new heights for God. But there's one last step that God gives to us in His Word today. Not only should we eliminate our excuses, and not only should we expect our own excellence, but lastly, the Bible teaches us to empty ourselves of our ego. That is to say, it's not all about you. Your checkbook, it's not all about you. Your schedule, your calendar, it's not all about you. The life that you have, the air that you breathe, and the blood that pumps through your body, it's not all about you. Look at verses 8 and 9. Paul says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, Yet for your sake, He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. Friend, the very life of Jesus yells and screams and produces one important function, and that is He gave up everything so that you might have the one thing that you needed. Jesus, though He was rich, became poor so that you might become rich. Think about that for just a moment. Let's just suppose that some of you... Now, now this is crazy, okay? Sit back and say, our pastor is crazy. Don't say it out loud, that's not nice. But just imagine. Let's suppose your mortgage is just through the roof. But your credit is fantastic. And let's just suppose you go to the bank tomorrow and you say, you know, I don't want to pay $9,000 a month for my mortgage. I want to refinance this bad boy and you get it down to about 1000 a month. Now that's crazy, right? But let's just suppose you could do that. What in the world would you do with that $8,000 a month? You're already giving it. Where would it go? Oh, some of you are thinking, oh, springtime, I buy me a boat. Oh, I'd get this. Oh, I'd buy that. Wouldn't it be nuts if somebody said, that's $8,000 more I can give to God? Oh, but you'd say, ah, the church doesn't need it. Friend, the church isn't asking for it. This is between you and God. If you can give more, why not? Jesus was rich and had the glory of heaven at His disposal and He became nothing so that you might have everything. And If you could give more time, why don't you? If you could serve more often, why don't you? 
If you had more financial resources at your disposal and you eliminated things from your life that you don't need for the sole purpose of giving it back to God, then why don't you? And maybe 2019 is the year to take away all of those things that are robbing you of the joy of giving back to God one way or another. And be that kind of radical Christian that gives everything to Him. I don't live in Lexington, and I'm not a police officer. But this past Thursday, I kind of wish that I had been. Because there was a 18-wheeler that turned over, a truck that, that turned over, and Krispy Kreme donuts were destroyed. It went up in flames. All of the donuts that they were carrying were destroyed. And pictures went all over the internet showing police officers pretending to be upset. Now deep down, I know that they really were. These are Krispy Kreme donuts we're talking about. You don't even have to be a police officer to cry about Krispy Kreme donuts going up in flames. I mean, you talk about a natural resource that has been wasted. But these police officers were jokingly crying. Well, leave it to Krispy Kreme to come to the rescue. They visited the Lexington police officers and donated dozens upon dozens of free donuts. And the next day, news everywhere showed these happy police officers with donuts stuffed in their face. All because of Krispy Kreme. Think about it. That's a business that lost profit twice just to make police officers smile. They lost one truckload of donuts. They gave away dozens for free all to put a smile on police officers' faces. I am telling you, we serve the sovereign God of the universe. And if you knew that you could do something, anything, to be a blessing back to God and put a smile on the face of the people of God and glorify the name of the Son of God and see the Spirit of God moving in a community all because you gave back to Him, wouldn't you do that? Friend, if your hands are open to God, you're open not only to give, but to receive. And whatever you let go back to God, God will pour overflowing joy back into your life and will enable you to be part of His everlasting kingdom. But if you've never received that gift from God, if you've never opened your hands and given your sin back to Him, and you've never been born again, that has to be the first step. You can't give financially and give your time back to God if you've never received the greatest gift that's ever been given, and that's the gift of His Son, Jesus. And the moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, and you know how much God loves you and how much He's given to you, that's when joy will start overflowing and you can give back to Him. If you've never made that decision, 
Today is the day to be born again. But if you have, and if you know the joy that comes from knowing Jesus, then what's stopping you from giving all that you have and all that you are back to Him? Would you join me in prayer as we ask God to move in our hearts to answer that very question today? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for the gift of Your Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank You for the gift of joy, the gift of eternal life, the gift of Your Holy Spirit, and all of the things that You have poured out upon us. We became followers of Jesus Christ. Father, today, if there are believers in this place that know without any hesitation that You're calling them to give more than they've ever given before of their time, of their talents, of their financial resources, of their own heart and their mind. God, may today be a day of release for them to release and let go of that selfishness and to give as Jesus has given to us. God, this moment, this time, to respond to You and to Your Word. I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would move in a great and powerful way. God, that lives would be changed, that hearts would be touched, that families would be different, and that this church would experience renewal and revival like never before when we give all that we are and all that we have to You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.